Welcome to another episode of On The Mic, the brand new podcast show by Yahoo Singapore. If you're new to podcasts, you can use the player to start, pause and scroll through the recording. You can also continue to browse the internet in other tabs. I'm your host, Dani Osman, and today we're kicking off our series of interviews with candidates from the various political parties who are taking part in the upcoming general election. My guest for this episode is Jose Raymond, chairman of the Singapore People's Party. I spoke to him last week, six days before the election date was announced. Hi Jose, how are you today? Hi Danny, uh, I'm great. Thanks for calling and um, you know it's about just after lunch so yeah, I'm slightly stuffed. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I just ate too and it's a nice rainy day so everybody, I think uh, we are both feeling a bit like, you know, it's a good time for a nap. <laughs> Actually, no, I've got way too much on my plate, so naps uh, out of the question completely. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. The, the action is all around the corner. I'm sure we're all, we all aware of that. And um, so just before we start, um, could I get you to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, well, I'm Jose Raymond. Um, my, the Jose in my name is spelled J-O-S-E. Uh, I'm currently the chairman of the Singapore People's Party and... Uh, I run a communications firm in Singapore and in Malaysia, and I am going to be the SPP's candidate for the electoral division of um, Potong Pasir SMC. Okay, that's great. And um, how are you feeling about the coming GE? Nervous? Excited? Well, um, nervous not at all. Um, excited probably, and um, maybe it's because I have been visualizing this whole moment for the last couple of years, mm -hmm. ever since I started my... A journey and uh, meeting people in Potong Pasir. So yeah, I've been kind of visualizing how all of it was going to pan out. So right now that you know we are at this stage, I am really uh, looking forward to what's going to come the next couple of weeks. Okay, I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be an ex quite an experience for you. This is your first time as a candidate, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so um, just to start, um, we got a lot of ground to cover. Um, sure. Let's start with like, what is the SPP's strategy for this um, coming election? What's your central platform and message? I think for the SPP, we have not announced uh, what exactly is in the manifesto for the party, but mm -hmm. um, uh, we will do so once uh, the parliament is dissolved and the elections is called. Um, but I, I'm going to also tell you that apart from a national manifesto, mm -hmm. I have prepared a local manifesto for the people of Potong Pasir. Okay. Uh, and that manifesto actually has been built grounds up where I've taken in feedback from the residents on the ground. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, the, and the central theme of that manifesto is uh, Jose Raymond is your voice and your friend. Okay. So I am actually approaching this um, very much based on at the back of a lot of the work which I've done in Potong Pass in the last couple of years in, in engaging people, getting to know them, um, cause, helping them with their problems, uh, understanding what their needs are. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm actually approaching it um, uh, at, that, at that level you know, where I am their friend and I am their voice. Yeah, so that is going to be actually my central theme in the in the work which I'm going to do in Potong Pasir, and how do you think the Potong Pasir residents have um, reacted to you since you've shown up on the scene as part of the SPP? I think, I mean, well, I I I mean, based on what I'm seeing and based on what I have um, the engagements which I've had on the ground, um, and as, if if you actually follow me on my social media platforms, mm -hmm. you will notice that. Um, I have actually been able to connect with a lot of them on a very personal level. 
Um, and you can actually see this translating through um, the photographs which appear. You can see that, you know, they, they are not afraid of being seen mm -hmm. with me. They, are, they, they hug me when they see me. Um, and, and, you know, so there's a, there's a, and, you know, some of them actually invite me into their homes, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm doing my blog visits or, you know, when I'm doing my blog visits, my house to house visits, mm -hmm. they would, you know, bring drinks to the door and pass to me, you know, and to, to tell me, you know, soldier on. So I guess in, in some ways um, that's continued to keep me motivated, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but look, let me, let me make it very clear, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to be your supporter. So sometimes you do have doors slamming on your face or mm -hmm. people not wanting to take your manifesto or your, or your flyers. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I've got to make sure that, you know, that doesn't uh, hurt or demotivate the, the volunteers around me because mm -hmm. they are not, yeah. they are not, they are not as thick-skinned as I am. Okay. <laughs> Where, you know, you know, because in politics, if you want to be involved in politics, you must recognize that not everybody is going to be your supporter. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to, you know, trust you or know, you know, what you stand for. And, and we must be ready that, you know, we are going to face rejection. Mm -hmm. You know, and, 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 and it's part and parcel of the game. You know, it's, it's, it's par for the course, right? So, um, but I think, you know, I've enjoyed, you know, helping people in Potong Pasir. I have mm -hmm. enjoyed getting out, doing as best as I can in trying to, you know, ensure that their needs are met. And, you know, I have done a lot of work on the ground and I believe people have uh, taken to me like, you know, and they have come to recognize me as a friend. And with the pandemic going on, have you been receiving feedback from the Porong Pase residents mm. about how they've been affected by it? Uh, I mean, I do keep in touch with a lot of them through WhatsApp calls, WhatsApp phone messages. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a couple of Zoom sessions as well. Um, I, I think, I think in the next, in the in the last couple of weeks, um, there's been some uh, fear about, you know, obviously job losses, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, loss of income. So I think that's gonna hurt a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. especially in the next couple of months. If, if, um, if if we see whatever happening, whatever else is happening around the world, uh, we can expect that, uh, you know, we are gonna be affected for a long time, and that means, you know, especially because we are, uh, we rely on external uh, externalities, right? And mm -hmm. that means, you know, we we rely on trade with external parties, and if those countries are not able to recover as quickly, then we are gonna be affected as well. Mm -hmm. And and what happens then is. Um, you know, we companies in Singapore are going to have to cut down. Companies in Singapore are going to have to shed jobs, and and people are going to get affected. So, so it's all beginning to spiral down in some way. So, I think in the last couple of weeks, that's the kind of um, um, fears which I'm getting from people, and which is why you know I'm trying to open up a new networks of my friends who are in business and mm -hmm. to get them to you know ensure that you know if they have got openings, I'll be able to at least link people up in my neighborhood, mm -hmm. uh, in the neighborhood of Potong Pasir, to 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 some of these networks which I have. And with the electoral boundaries for Potong Pasir having been changed, um, have you had the chance to meet the new residents yet? Uh, yeah, so that uh, the new areas in uh, Potong Pasir SMC are basically a couple of precincts in Juseng, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and there are 21 blocks in Juseng and there's a bit of a private landed property just behind Juseng. Okay. And and then obviously there'll be a couple of new, there are also a couple of new blocks uh, in Bidadari Estate, which is just across Potong Pasir. Mm -hmm. uh, I have actually covered 20 of the 21 blocks in Juseng okay. before the circuit breaker measures kicked in. Okay. And for Bidadari, what I did was I, I sent letters to them during the CB period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, but what I'm going to do is, you know, in the next uh, couple of weeks, 
uh, you know, I think I can, I will be able to at least get out and try to meet people in small groups, you know, less than five, you know, whatever's within the rules mm-hmm. of engagement. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to continue doing that until, you know, at least I'm, I'm satisfied that I've done whatever I can to reach out to as many as possible. For a district that was once the longtime stronghold of Chiam Si Tong, do you think the change in boundaries will affect the voting patterns? Well, okay, I mean, to answer the first part of your question, um, I mean, your, your first part of the question mentioned that, you know, Chiam Si Tong, it was a stronghold for Chiam Si Tong, but yeah, but, you know, don't forget that there's been a, there is now a new two-term incumbent MP who's, uh, who's, um, uh, you know, who's won, and you know, let's recognize that you know he's also got a very good base of um, of, of of supporters, and and you know, to rest to rest back um, a seat from a two-term incumbent is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. So it may have been a stronghold in the past, but let's not look to the past to expect what people are going to do today, because today the needs are very different. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and and so the strategy in that you know I've got to make sure that you know I try to touch as many lives as possible. And to have people see that, you know, I am really getting out there to do whatever I can within my means and to give as much support as possible to whoever needs help. Yeah. I think that's more important for me. And what do you think that you bring to the table that gives you an edge in Potong Pasir? I don't think I have an edge in Potong Pasir. I mean, there is a two-term incumbent MP. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what I bring to the table is a very strong network of um, friends in, you know, who are business owners. I bring a lot of, um, you know, obviously expertise in uh, policy thinking mm-hmm. because of my background. I also, I think I'm able to frame a problem uh, well enough and, and to appeal for residents, which is what I actually do. And some I've got, I've had quite a few residents turn up, come up to me for help because they've heard from others that, you know, I'm able to frame appeals very sharply and okay. send it off to, to various people, you know, to get help. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I bring to the table. Apart from the fact that obviously, I I have put in the effort into you know try to meet and know as many people as mm-hmm. possible and solve a lot of the problems, um, you know, and and I take a very um, detailed approach, you know, like uh, knowing where everyone lives, you know, how many households there mm-hmm. are in this particular block. I've got a database of um, the entire neighborhood, you know, like um, how many how many units there are in this block and how many units there are in that other block. Uh, who, what are the people, what's the makeup of the people who live in some of the homes which have opened for me? What are their names, you know, so that I'll be able to recognize them and, you know, be able to address them by name if I see them again. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I have taken a very data-driven, detailed approach to to the work which I've done. Um, you know, because, you know, I believe that, you know, in order for you to be able to help the people around you, you need to know the people around you. And you what- see, so, yeah. And your party recently unveiled its candidates for the GE. Has there been any response to the fact that neither Mr. Chiam nor his wife will be running? I have not really received any messages on that per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I mean, I, I've been noticing some of the comments made on some of our Facebook posts and in that some of them are saying that, you know, it's good that we are consolidating. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think it's been a fairly given... Um, that you know we have kind of moved on from the from the legacy. You know, mm-hmm. but look, I mean, Mr. Chum did not stand in 2015, yes. um, and I don't think anyone was expecting him uh, to stand this time around. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but but I think what is also important in the eyes of the people uh, is that you know we are going to be able to take forward take the party forward. You know, mm-hmm. in order to bring a fresh set of lenses to the table. Because the problems of 30 years ago are very different from the problems of today. Yes. The problems which we have today 
are far more uh, complex than the problems of 30 years ago. And I think people on the ground or people, residents who are going to be looking at me are going to be seeing whether or not I've got what it takes to support them and help them. You know, and whether or not I've got the wherewithal and the and the intellect to be able to deal with those problems of not today, but the problems of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, so so I think I think that's what people are going to be looking for. And do you think that since 2015 and since you've entered the picture, also has SPP been able to maintain or increase its support base even? I will only be able to answer that question after the G. <laughs> when the results are known. So it's very presumptuous for me to say anything apart from, you know, I will have to wait for the mandate of the people Mm -hmm. and to to be able to answer that question. And besides your party chief, Steve Chia, um, could you tell us a bit more about the candidates running for Bishan Topayo GRC? Osman Khan has stood for elections before. Um, So has Melvin Chiu. Okay. Uh, And the other other one is Williamson Lee. Williamson is actually an old... Uh, old time, uh, I mean, he's, he's a supporter of the party who has actually uh, been with the party for some time. And mm-hmm. he was Lina, Lina Chiam's election agent uh, at the 2015 general elections. Right. Okay. So you have got three um, candidates who have actually stood before. Mm-hmm. And Williamson Lee, who's a new, who's a noob, uh, who's also the vice chairman of the party. Okay. Um, yeah, so we have, what we have done is, you know, we have actually taken a very consolidated, you know, approach because I also believe that, you know, given the current scenario, given the current situation, uh, it's important that, you know, we do not uh, expand or waste unnecessary financial resources, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, if we are going through a period of depression, so I think it's important that, you know, we do not waste, um, you know, financial resources. Right. So, yeah. And how concerned are you guys about uh, the possibilities of three-cornered <laughs> fights, both in Potong Pase and Bishan Topayo? I am... I'm, I'm not so concerned about three-cornered fights. You know, I always believe that, you know, if you've done enough work, um, you know, we should not be afraid of um, anyone who wants to come in and, and, and participate. I think um, members of the public, uh, the residents, the electors of uh, those particular estates um, will be able to make up their minds. And I think, you know, it'll be very important for, for whoever is going to be contesting in whichever area to also know whether or not... Um, what would be the psychology of the voter in those areas and to know what the voters want. I mean, we've had four cornered fights before in by-elections, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and we can see the results. It's very clear that, you know, the residents know what they want. Mm-hmm. And also, I, 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 in a way, in a democracy, you know, that's how it works. You know, it is due, it's, it's my duty to get out there and convince people of the reason why they should vote for me based on the information which they have already had, knowing whether they can trust me, whether they can rely on me, knowing whether they can, you know, look to me when they're in trouble. If you have all those questions answered, I think, you know, you stand, you know, a, a fair chance, you know, when you get into the, when you put your name on the ballot box. There was a lot of buzz um, earlier this year about a possible coalition between Singaporeans First, People's Power Party and the Democratic Progressive Party. And there was talk that um, Tanching Box Party might possibly join as well. Um, what do you think of these kind of uh, alliances? I, looking back at um, history, uh, you know, I mean, we've had the Singapore Democratic Alliance, mm-hmm. which was um, actually the brainchild of um, Mr. Chiam, if I'm not wrong. And um, I mean, we saw that, you know, sometimes um, there'll be a lot of personality clashes, um, mm-hmm. you know, in such alliances. So perhaps uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, uh, Dr. Tan uh, went on his own way to set up the PSP, even though there were some early talks about 
some coalitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I guess you know at the end of the at the end of it all, um, it is it is going to be what's the value you bring to the table, mm-hmm. right? So uh, coalitions or not, um, I think members of the public will have to decide. You know what's going to be the value of the candidate or candidates who are who are standing in the areas in which. Um, they live, you know, and, and let them decide, you know, who's going to be the best, going to be the best ones to be able to serve them. And with regard to you joining the SPP, are you hoping to steer the party in a new direction? Have you been bringing new ideas to the table and so on? I, I think the answer to that question is uh, yes, um, but I, I, I did not really join the party just because, you know, I have, I wanted to steer in a new direction, but I, I actually joined um, the party because of... Um, because of my history with the Chams, uh, Mr. Cham helped mm-hmm. my family out uh, a long time back uh, in, in 1990 when we needed um, financial help. And when I was asked to join the party, it was my way of paying it forward, um, you know, because I, I, I know for a fact that if Mr. Cham had not helped my family out in 1990, I, I think my life would have taken a different course. And so I believe that, you know, we have got to pay it forward. We have mm-hmm. got to make sure that, you know, um, we we find people who are going to need help and to steer them back into a path if they have somewhat been derailed by personal issues and and you know sometimes in life uh, bad things really do happen to some good people and that's, and, and it's important that you know we help them back mm-hmm. onto that path so my whole journey my whole reasoning is you know was because you know Mr. Chairman helped my family and I had to get, I had to pay it forward and based on that, you know, I believe that, you know, we must be able to bring forward, uh, bring forward to the table uh, a blend of politics, which um, I believe would be good uh, for us to possibly dabble in, you know, non-adversarial, uh, non-confrontational. Mm-hmm. And we actually see the value of everyone who comes to the table to support and to help our fellow citizens. And and it does not need to be confrontational or, or, or rambunctious uh, in that sense. And mm-hmm. we can we can all work together at the same table regardless of the political flag which we bear. Because at the end of the day, at the end of it all, all of us fight under one flag, which is the Singapore national flag. So I guess you're not looking to get into that um, aggressive firebrand style of politics? I don't think the firebrand style is my style. <laughs> but what I do believe in is, uh, you know, I believe in diversity of voices. I believe in plurality of voices. And I believe that some of us um, bring a lot of different values to the table based on our personal experiences because we see things through a very different set of lenses. Just going back a bit to your relationship with uh, Mr. Chiam and his wife, um, could you like maybe tell us a story about how you guys met, how you first met Mr. Chiam, what happened and how you came to be involved with SPP? My journey goes all the way back to 1984 uh, when my father brought me to Potong Pasir to listen to Mr. Chum's rallies at the 1984 general elections. Um, on my birthday, which is 22nd December 1984, I was 13 years old mm-hmm. then. My father actually brought me to the counting center at Westlake Secondary School to listen to the wait for the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the time when Mr. Chum actually won. Um, and and that was my first um, understanding of, um, you know, Potong Pasir and what it meant. Mm-hmm. And in 1988, my father became a volunteer for both uh, Mr. Chiam Sitong as well as uh, Mr. Chufri Mahmood. And my father brought me to Potong Pasi to help Mr. Chiam during the elections. And I was actually delivering manifestos in, in 
in, in, in Potong Pasir during the 88 in general elections. Um, and I said earlier about, you know, when we faced some financial problems in 1990, Mr. Chum helped um, to, to, to keep a roof over our heads. You know, we, he actually gave us a check to go and pay HDB so mm-hmm. we could actually keep a roof over our heads. I did not see the Chums or meet any of them mm-hmm. for 26 years until um, they reached out through a third party in um, August 2016 um, because they wanted to set up a trust fund or a, or a, or a foundation to help uh, sports athletes. And the reason why they reached out to me um, was because they saw that I had, I was always raising issues of um, athletes' welfare in the newspaper, I mean, in, in the media. or mm-hmm. uh, and, at, and at that time, I was also the vice president of Singapore Swimming Association. And they just wanted to know, you know, to understand the whole space a little bit. Um, so they reached out to me not knowing that I had a history with them. They, I mean, they knew me as Jose Raymond, but they did not know me as Jose Raymond, who has got a history with them. Mm-hmm. So um, so I, I, I met them um, both. Uh, for the first time in 26 years. I mean, I, I had not met Mrs. Shum before, um, but I met both Mr. and Mrs. Shum in, the, in, that, uh, in that lunch meeting for the first time in, in almost three decades. And, and before we started that lunch, you know, I, before we started, when I stepped into the room, uh, I actually told both of them, you know, before you start anything, let me tell you a story. Mm-hmm. And I okay. shared with them, you know, this whole entire history which I had with them. And um, it's quite amazing because... Uh, Mr. Ch- I mean, dis- despite me t- talking to them about, you know, my, I, I just kept saying my father, my father, and, and I did not name my father. And then Mr. Chum actually kind of looked at me and 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 he he asked me, uh, who is your father? And and I said, my father's Henry Thomas. And my, then Mr. Chum said, can you stand up? I said, sure. And I stood up. And then Mr. Chum said, you are taller than your father. Mm-hmm. So it's quite amazing. He actually remembered my father as well. Um, you know, so I... I so, you know, it was after that that we managed to get the Chiang Sports Fund started and launched. And it was only months after that that Mrs. Shyam asked me to consider joining the party and to help the party. Um, yeah, so that's how I landed up in the in, in, in Pasi. Would you describe that um, that attending that first um, that first experience that your father brought you to? Was it your political awakening in a sense that you, you realize what what's at stake in Singapore? What, what the whole mechanism of elections and all that are about? I, th- I think that was, I was still very young you know, mm-hmm. at the time and I did not understand, you know, what exactly, um, you know, it was not so much a political awakening, but it was, I think very, very few of us, um, I think very few of our parents get uh, children involved in politics at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially especially in the past, right? I mean, let's not forget that you know, in the eighties, you know, in, in in the in the nineties, this was a very different era in Singapore. And and but my father, I mean, maybe it's because you know, my, my, I was very close to my father, and mm-hmm. uh, my father brought me everywhere you know he went. So it was good that you know I managed to experience you know things like you know what election rallies were like when I was in my teens. Mm-hmm. And even though it was not much of a political awakening, but I do remember that when I I, you know, I actually always ended up reading about, you know, opposition politics or how, um, you know, and, and and I used to watch the live debates on 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 TV before because uh, parliamentary sittings were broadcast live before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my political awakening um, came very much during the twenty oh eight U.S. presidential elections. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, because I, I 
I, I was enthralled and captivated by, by, by you know the the methodology used by, by President Barack Obama in, in his campaign, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I was and I was also because at that time I was, I was doing research into into online campaigning and the use of the online tools, uh, because of my role at the Sport Singapore, I, I, I was in the organizing committee of the Asian Youth Games, uh, the first ever Asian Youth Games, and mm-hmm. I was the head of communications and IT uh, subcommittee. So. Part of my one of my one of my roles was to prepare that uh, the, the the whole uh, communications uh, methodology for for the entire games and and one of the areas I was looking at was uh, the use of online broadcast and social media tools to broadcast the games and to and to promote the games to a youth. Right. Okay. Bear in mind, this is, we're talking about 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. You know, so can you imagine how far back my uh, my interest in, in in the use of the online space goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's so actually during that period when I was doing the research that I was um, kind of captivated by the message, you see, the, the kind of uh, messages which were being post, put out mm-hmm. um, in, in the run-up to the the, the 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 vote. And it was at that point that, you know, I you know, kind of understood or tried to understand, you know, how the use of uh, political communications and how, the, how it works and the psychology behind the voter, you know, what runs through their minds. Um, you know, but but I I think that was probably um, one of the early awakenings. You know, I mean, early in uh, inverted commas. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. And now that you've entered Singapore politics, um, what is the kind of change you hope to bring about in society? I think the change which I which I hope to see is um political debate which is you know less confrontational and less adversarial and more uh, solution seeking um, you know and I think that will actually benefit um, our, our our general citizenry because the lesser the the debate is um, about the politics and the the more the debates are about the policy the more we're going to be able to do things better and which will end up benefiting um, general population. And I also believe in a collaborative model where, you know, despite us being on different sides of the house or mm-hmm. fighting under different flags, um, you know, that does not mean that we cannot work together. And, and, and which is why I, you know, you, you've, you've, if you've followed me on what I'm doing, you'll recognize that I've taken a very non-confrontational mm-hmm. approach. Okay. Uh, yes, if there are policies I've got to talk about, there's a way to say it um, without... Um, you know, without being personal. Mm-hmm. So in, in football parlance, right, you 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 don't have to go for the man, you go for the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So essentially that's um what I hope to do a lot more of. You know, let's if you wanna find ways to solve problems, I think we have need to have a debate about um the particular policy and what else we can do to ensure that um the policy can be sharpened, it can benefit more people and it will it will take a lot more minds at the table, and and hopefully you know we'll be able to reach a stage in our 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 uh, our political history that you know we we'll be we'll be able to find ways where we can sit together and have a discussion and despite you know being on different sides of the house. Is this a stance that has been inspired by Mr. Chairman's work? Uh, what 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 has he taught you about politics? Actually, I have. Um, Mr. Chum's legacy will always be remembered as being, you know, he was one of those who were also very pro Singapore, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and we have got to recognize that that's his indelible mark on Singapore's political history. And, and 
in some ways, yes, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I'm in this party, you know, helping, um, you know, to, 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 you know, basically elevate the branding and the awareness of the party based on the man's values. And maybe it's also, you know, the values are very much in sync, you know, because this is exactly what I feel as well. And, and, and you know, in this kind of ideology or methodology, you cannot fake it because, you know, at some point you're going to be found out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 you know, which is why I think maybe the message which I have or, or the methodology in, in which I've been promoting resonates with a lot of people and which is why you see there's um, this response, you know, and, 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 and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to share a lot more of this um, in, the, in the course of the campaign so that people also see that, you know, we can think about this and dream about this particular model and hopefully someday we will get there. Is it too early to ask you um, what kind of issues you might raise if you get your seat? Oh, um, I, I think there are a couple of issues which are hurting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, COVID-19 will op- COVID and uh, the, aftermath, the aftermath of COVID-19 will also mean that a lot of these issues are going to be um, uh, are worsened, you know, because mm-hmm. of uh, the environment, environmental factors, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think there are a couple of issues which are, are hurting or, or worrying, worrying a lot of people. One would be the, the lease decay problem in uh, facing HDB flats, old flats. Yes. Second would be wage depression um, caused by cheap foreign labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, third, obviously now would be loss of jobs and how we need to, what we need to do to re, uh, reconstruct the economy um, after this. Um, fourth, I think we also, you know, it's it's part of, it's also you know linked to wage depression, you know, wage inequality, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you know there are a lot of people on the on um, you know the man industry, the middle middle income and below, uh, are affected by this because you know with with a spiraling cost of living, um, you know, their their wages are not are uh, not uh, rising in tandem, and they are facing a lot of um, issues, um, you know, even saving for a rainy day. And I think, you know, COVID-19 has proven that, you know, lots of people don't even have enough in their bank accounts to last an extra two months mm-hmm. without facing an emergency. Yes. So I think these are some of the issues which you have got to face, uh, face up to and, and find solutions for it. Yes, there'll be no easy answers, right? It, it is, it's, there's no magic uh, pill which I'm going to be able to introduce. But what we need to do is really debate and find where are some of these problems which are which can be unraveled and, and, and tackled, and we got to deal with them. Going back to what you said you learned from the Obama campaign, um, can I ask, what do you think has uh, been the impact of social media on the Singapore political scene? Um, you know, there's actually a interesting question because uh, if you think about the results of 2015 and 2011, the answer, the answer would be, it would be negligible, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I mean, let's think about it, right? Let, let's, let's go back to 2011 first. Um, in the 2011 elections, 2011 general elections, I think um, the opposition, the, the alternative parties were the ones who were using the online space um, a lot more effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not all the parties, but maybe a few. Um, and I think the online sentiment um, the online sentiment at 2011 elections, um, you know, did have some kind of effect uh, on on the end result, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of the popular vote or whatever. But even then, um, uh, you know, whether or not it was enough, well, we won't know. Um, and then fast forward to 2015, you know, leading up to the elections, um, 
the sentiment online was was that um, there was going to be a, a, a far greater losses uh, compared to 2011. But mm-hmm. but you know very well that did not materialize. So yes. what is the and if I mean what's the end the end analysis of that is we don't, sometimes don't really know whether the online space and whatever we're seeing online uh, fairly reflects the the sentiment on the ground. Mm-hmm. So to answer the question. I think it's still an unknown. Mm-hmm. It's still an unknown. Previously, mainly because I also because there were rallies and 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 the use of mainstream media, um, you know, could have also affected how people ended up voting on the ground, right? So, but this time around, um, could well be one of the first times in history that we'll be able to gauge mm-hmm. how effective is the online space for campaigning, because the end results will probably be. Um, uh, A recognition of whether or not uh, your online sent your online uh, content or your online strategies have worked. It seems quite clear to me that um, the government is very aware of the impact of social media on public sentiment, and this has manifested in things like POFMA, which is meant to combat fake news. Do you think this will have an impact on how politics is discussed online, and will it manifest in the election? I mean, it's 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 not just the government is concerned about um, online falsehoods. I mean, even I am concerned about online falsehoods, right? Oh, so I was a I was a I was a victim of a an online falsehood, and I took action, you know, mm-hmm. against the perpetrator very quickly, and you know, he apologized. And I mean, I, I'm sure you know about the case, mm-hmm. um, which is very recent. Um, so I, I don't think it's just the government who's actually worried about online falsehoods. I am actually worried about online falsehood as well. So, um, you know, it's good that uh, the 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 there are going to be some checks in place. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, it's got to, I think it works both ways. Um, you know, we'll, we should be also be able to take action, um, you know, if we feel that there's been a falsehood. Um, and and good that, you know, the members of the public must have access to what's true. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, it's it's right for us to go into battle uh, with a falsehood or a lie. Of course. And, yes. you know, I mean, that, that is, we have got to move beyond that. But, you know, What's going to be important is um, whether or not the falsehoods, you know, if at all appear, whether they're going to be able to be um, addressed very quickly. I think that's that's critical because um, the falsehoods may may travel not just in on on social media platforms; it can actually even travel on a, on on messaging platforms. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's very hard to detect and even hard even harder to 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 put a stop to it. And, you know, by the time the jam- damage may be done, you know, before it can even act. Are you sure you still want to get into politics? <laughs> I think we do it. We we do it because you know our hearts have got to be in the right place. Yeah. Well, my heart's got to be in the right place. If yeah. not, you know, I don't think we can do this because you must know what you're doing it for, and mm-hmm. you know, you it cannot be about anything else apart from wanting to help people and to put people at the center of everything which we do. I'm um, going back to the issue of social media. Could you tell us a bit about the SPP's digital campaign plans? Um, I will speak basically on the Potong Pase bit because you know all of us are supposed to you know get organized with our own. Um, every election is a local election, so that means I've got to fight for the people of Potong Pase and to win their hearts and minds. So my strategy basically is going to be combi- a combination of um, um, online content. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, online broadcast, depending on the guidelines and the rules, mm-hmm. and um, you know, outreach on the ground uh, based on whatever guidelines is going to be given to all parties. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a combination of uh, all of the above. And so, in the online space, um, obviously, you know, I, I 
I will embark on what I call an electoral online blitzkrieg. You know, it's like a okay. it's yeah. a war it's a term used in warfare. Yes. You know, where uh, a consumer who wakes up, the first thing the person goes to would be um, you know, his social media platforms to maybe scroll through before he takes a shower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the moment he he or she wakes up, he has already got to see something about mm-hmm. Ozzy Raymond mm-hmm. and it's already embedded in his or her mind okay. as he's taking a sh- as is as they get into the into the washroom to get washed up. Yeah. And you know, and then by the time he reaches the office, or he or she reaches the office, mm-hmm. um, or if it's, or you know, sorry, the office can now be at home. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get from your bedroom to your hall, um, you know, uh, you'll probably hear something else. You know, maybe you might turn on the radio and you might hear something in the news. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 at the end of the day, you know, as you're about to wind down, you'll probably see something or hear something again. That's the strategy behind an online electoral blitzkrieg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, so yeah. And do you see this strategy working for the Porong Pase residents? Um, what what's their demographic like? Do they tend to skew towards the older side? No, you see, okay, Danny. The the you must recognize that um, there are ways to reach out to people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not direct; it's indirect. Correct. Yeah. Think about it. You know, so if I've got a demographic people who are maybe you know thirty or forty percent who are above the age of fifty five. Mm-hmm. Um, or if some of them may not be in the online space or not fooling people on Facebook, but the message does not be does not need to be directed at them, right? Mm-hmm. The message can also be directed to the children, to you know the the neighbors, because at the end of the day, you know it's about a whole discussion about coming together to, to discuss, um, you know. Politics and maybe maybe the online space and what we're going to do in these elections could well start this whole um, uh, idea of you know really getting people engaged through political debate. Mm-hmm. You know, so so it's about how what how you're going to craft your message. You know, so that that is not so it's not so much. Uh, I'm not so worried about you know whether whether or not they're going to be able to get the message because they will get the message one way or another. Mm-hmm. And th- and turn you into a household name, is that the plan? <laughs> <laughs> I well, that has got to be the plan. But you know what? Like I said earlier, you know what's worked for me is um, it's good that I've been able to have the benefit of time in the last couple of years as I walked the ground and met people as much as possible. Um, and I think you know the fact that I've visited every HDB household at least three times mm-hmm. in Potong Pase, um, you know, it maybe you know it may hopefully it, it will work in my favor in in, in some way. Um, you know, so so, but you know, at the end of it, you just have to to leave it to the the elector to decide. You know what what's their choice, and we must respect them for that. You've had an extremely eclectic career. Um, could you tell us more about it and what you've learned from your work experience that might help you in politics? Mm, I have had interesting and very thoughtful mentors who have always helped me out. One of my mentors once told me that. Um, he sees me as a he sees me as a high risk taker, mm-hmm. and I believe in I believe in taking risks, which is why you see, you know, I'm not worried about walking away from something when I'm at a high. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's think about it, right? I mean, I won back to back awards in 2005. I won the Eslick Story of the Year. Mm-hmm. 2006, I was Media Corps Journalist of the Year. Mm-hmm. 2007, I won the Today Story of the Year. And I decided to quit, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, 
most people, you know, when they're at the top of their careers, they decide to stay because, you know, it's, you, you, you almost feel secure that, you know, you're, you will be able to at least keep on holding on to that job for a few more years. But I decided to leave mm-hmm. um, and I joined public service. And when I joined public service, you know, I, I was continuously looking out for what's going to be the next big thing. Right. And, and, and I think the whole idea is to get as much experiences as possible because that's how you shape your mind and you're able to see things differently and you expand your networks. You know, so if you but so you look at it this way, if I remain in the sports sector, mm-hmm. my networks will only be limited to the sports sector. Yeah. You know, but if you if you move from the sports sector to the environment space, mm-hmm. you basically not just gain a whole new networks, but you also understand the space a little bit more and the content and the the issues which are facing that sector. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when you move perhaps from a government type role to a uh, people oriented role or non-profit, mm-hmm. you bring out a different set of, um, um, uh, you need a different set of um, emotional quotients to be able to drag you through your role. Mm-hmm. You need to you have you need to bring out a whole different um, pers- you got to see things with very different perspectives, mm-hmm. and and I think that helps because you will be able to not just expand your networks and not just uh, go through different kind of management training, but you also will be faced with different kinds of problems, which then helps you with your decision making. Okay, and also you, so it's a whole whole new it's a it's a whole idea of um, you know not being a not being afraid of trying new things, not being afraid of trying and perhaps even failing, you know, because, you know, if you fail, you just start all over again. doesn't matter. Do you ever miss journalism? And uh, what do you think of the state of the local media today? You will never understand what it feels like to be a journalist until you've gone through it. Oh, yeah. Um, and let's not forget that, you know, when I was a journalist, you know, whether it's Straits Times or in Mediacorp, it was at a period where, uh, the late Mr. Lee Kuan Yew was still alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's a very different Singapore, right? So, and, but even then, my bosses gave me the latitude to do a lot of investigative work, mm-hmm. which, which essentially propelled me to the kind of person which I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will never be able to take the newsroom out of a journalist. Mm-hmm. I may have walked away from the newsroom, but, you know, my mind, my instincts you know, are still very much like a journalist because you take that with you to every single mm-hmm. role which you head into. One of my ex-bosses, P.N. Balji, once taught me that journalism prepares you for life. Mm-hmm. You know, in the course of my career as a journalist, I have met political figures. I've met, I've had interviews with, um, you know, members of royalty. I've had uh, interviews with um, um, people in in in. in Near in, in regional countries who are also involved in politics, so it's it's been an amazing, um, you know, career for me. I mean, apart from just the interviews, and I've I've actually covered uh, major games, major sports events around the world, mm-hmm. World Cup, Asian Games. I've been to war zone. I've been to an earthquake zone. I have mm-hmm. um, been asked to cover the tsunami. So you know, the whole experience of a journalist uh, really prepares you for for life. You know, and it's true what my ex boss, uh, Pian Balji said. You know, it prepares you for life. And look at where I am today. Do you see the local news landscape as being more diverse right now? As in, uh, are there more voices on the scene? Yes, I, I, I mean, let's 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 look at it this way. I mean, I'm having this interview with you today through yes. a podcast. Yeah. 
I don't think this would have existed. I mean, sorry, it did not exist 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm having this interview with you, you know, on a on a on a an online portal platform. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's already you know unprecedented, right? So I don't think there was such a thing 20 years ago. 20 years ago, um, you know, it was basically print broadcast, um, and and there was far fewer spaces. And you know, so I think today, if you look at the online space, you still have got the you know, apart from Channel News Asia online, you've got Today Online, you've got Yahoo, you've got The Independent, you've got, the on, you've got Online Citizen Asia. And, mm-hmm. and so there is diverse views available. And, you know, so you, it's just a matter of, you know, <laughs> knowing how to navigate the space. And how do you do it yourself? Like, how do you see in a sea of different voices? What's, what's your tip as a media expert? Like, what's your tip on finding the truth in what you read? I think there must be some level of discerning. You know, I think we must never take anything for granted. And you know, if you're unsure, it's always important to check on our facts or check on our, you know, what has been written. Um, we we will, you know, as journalists. I mean, some someone who used to be from the newsroom before, I can tell you that you know sometimes we do make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And and no one is above that. You know, so it's important. Like what my ex boss told me, you know, there are three things which are very important in journalism: um, check your facts, check your facts. Check your facts. Yes, <laughs> these are the three most important things, right? Yes. So, like, likewise for a reader, um, I think it's very important to check your facts, check your facts, check your facts. You know, so if you see something it doesn't sound right, check on it. You know, do a quick check elsewhere. If you see something which is appearing on a on a on a news portal which doesn't sound familiar, you know, find another alternative source and look for the story because it may well be a fake story, right? So, I think these are little things where, you know, we can actually educate the public on mm-hmm. to ensure that, that, you know, they don't consume what could be fake. You know, so, yeah. Okay, and just to touch a little bit on your work with Singapore Environment Council and then Asia Pop and Paper, you, I guess you've seen both sides of the environment issue through that work. Um, and mm-hmm. will you be using that experience or anything to raise awareness of environmental issues if you get into Parliament? I think climate change is a serious um, existential issue which we need to to take very seriously. I can tell you right now that we have got a climate change section in our manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a climate change section in um, in our national manifesto, and there's also a, a climate change section in my Potong Pasir manifesto. Mm, so, okay. <clears throat> so yeah. So that shows basically that should answer your question. How serious am I about? climate change or environmental issues. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it's a serious issue which we have to grapple with. And and like COVID is something which, you know, knows no boundaries, mm-hmm. um, doesn't know, there's no, there's no political boundaries as mm-hmm. well. And we must be able to find solutions and to mitigate the effects of climate change. Okay. And just yep. to end things off, um, I usually ask sure. everyone a question about, do you sure. see a silver lining coming to, a uh, silver lining emerging from the pandemic? Like what can we learn from this experience? I know there's a lot of hardship, a lot of suffering mm-hmm. going on right now, but what do you mm-hmm. see as the lessons that we can pull away from? I think the one of the takeaways from COVID-19 is um, how as, as one people, one nation, we can really work together, you know, to, to rise above, um, you know, hatred or, 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 or rise above, we should rise above, um, you know, depending regardless of our backgrounds we must be able to rise above all of it all and to help our fellow men in times of need that is that must and should be the one takeaway from whatever we've gone through in the last couple of months Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and you know, this kind of uh, a pandemic like this, a black swan event happens, you know, once in once in three generations, right? And 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 we must have a learning from it. And I think the learning from it that is perhaps another learning from that is we must be able to restart. We must be able to perhaps um, remove ourselves from the shackles of the past because it also has shown us that some things um, really require a rethink. Mm-hmm. And yes, so they must, you know, I think, you know, when, when we recover from this, we must be able to accept that there must never be any um, sacred cows which we do not wish to, which, which, we, which we cannot, you know, um, there must, we must be able to face up to reality that some things need to have a relook and may not be working. And, and based on how you've seen Singaporeans handling the pandemic so far, are you optimistic about how we emerge from this? Like, cautiously optimistic, maybe? I am always optimistic of the uh, of fellow Singaporeans. I'm always optimistic that, you know, they will be able to rise a bit above it all. But I'm also sometimes concerned that, you know, when we all start getting used to our lives again, we, we tend to forget very quickly. So... So hopefully, you know, this will be a completely learning experience for every one of us and we'll be able to emerge from it a lot stronger. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today. Um, Thank you again for taking the time to speak to us and I wish you all the best in the coming election. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time and, you know, for for you taking the effort to connect with me and to hear me out. I'm really appreciative. And that's all we have for today's episode of On The Mic. Be sure to tune in next week as we bring you another interview with a candidate in this hotly contested general election. Once again, I'm Dani Osman, and have a great weekend. <laughs>